Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce Kevin to you. Kevin Wartleff from Bethel Assembly of God. Thank you, Kevin. You're ready to go. Well, good morning. Somebody turned the lights on. My wife and I just want to add our condolences to your loss, and we didn't we didn't know Mitzi, but you know, we just want to add our prayers and just comfort that God will bring that to y'all. Amen. If you want to turn to First Peter two this morning, a while we'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> While you're turning there, let's just look at some information about about those times. The letter of First Peter was written around uh, 62 to 67 A.D., possibly from Rome, but some argue that that Peter couldn't have been the writer of this, and for the reasoning that Peter was a fisherman. They said, and some of the stuff they say was that he was unlearned and untrained. He was just a fisherman. But you've also still got to look at it. Peter was a businessman. Peter, was, Peter had a fishing business with his, with his brother. And uh, what they're saying more or less was that he was uneducated in the scripture. He was unlearned in rabbinical training. Peter himself was from Galilee. And as, he, as we look at the region, we find that most people in Galilee were bilingual. They spoke both Greek and Aramaic. So, you know, Peter had... Peter could communicate with more than just one, one person, one race of people in that, time, in that time. It was a time of Christian persecution, something that in the, in, West, in the West here we don't know that much about. We are starting to see some persecution in small amounts, but not like in Eastern countries, not like they're in other places, the, the amount of persecution that there is. And yes, Peter was a fisherman but he was a fisherman that walked with Jesus. And when you walk with Jesus, don't you think that maybe you learn to express yourself from the master communicator himself? You know, you learn something when you walk with, with a person, whether that person is the Lord himself or whether it's someone you're walking with constantly. It doesn't matter whom you are when you start. It's who you become along that journey. We change with the word of God, we change as we walk closer with him each and every day. Spending time with God changes our lives, changes your life from where you were to where you are now. All this to say that Peter didn't just write the letter and then God says, amen, I put my stamp of approval on it. If you look at 1 Timothy, and don't turn there, I'll read it for you. But 1 Timothy 3, verse 16 says, all scripture is inspired of God. And I'm going to read that to you. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God inspired his writers. You know, some versions it says God breathed into them. God breathed that scripture. You know, and they wrote 
what they were inspired to write by the Lord himself. As we start with 1 Peter, one theme is suffering. But what I want you to see today and what we're going to get to is our inherited blessings by accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ. The proper relationships of believers with the world, our families, the church, and especially with God himself. Peter is one of the first teachers and preachers of the gospel. Can you imagine that one of the first to go out there and it just, I think I'll try this. No, it wasn't, I think I'll try this. It was like he was filled. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He went out and he preached with a boldness the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we can't just say, I think I'll try this. No, we have to be sold out. We have to be that person of God. What I want to do with you is I, I want to summarize a little bit about the first chapter so we can move on to the second chapter. But Peter writes to Christians living in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey, and brings greetings. By way of encouragement, he identifies them as people who live in the light of a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Reassuring them in God's grace and salvation, reassuring them in holiness. As he goes on to that in verse 16, in the first chapter, he says, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. This is the word that encourages us every day. We're encouraged by God's word. We're encouraged by God speaking to us and through other pastors, through people around us. We continue to be encouraged with the word. Verse 19 says that we were redeemed with precious blood, the precious blood of the lamb. And it goes to say, or he goes on to say at the end of the chapter, and I'm going to read this to you, 1 Peter 1, 23 through 25. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man, all the flower of the grass, the grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. You think about that. All fades, but the word endures forever. What that word has done, what that word has moved upon in our lives, who it has touched through that. Now, if we have a little background in that, you know, what we're going to look at is the weight that the scripture carries and the fact that it's God-inspired. Not God-approved, it's God-inspired. That we are all redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and not by that which fades away but lives and abides forever. There is life forever. God's work is permanent and his word eternal. The work he has done, think about it, the work in your friend that just passed, the work he has done in her life. I love what Pastor Greg shared with me, that the daughter, putting it from a different perspective, you know, that they had three years of a different person. Three years of a person in love with the Lord. It makes a difference in your lives. Chapter 2, and you can look there with me. Verse 1 not only describes who we were, but it describes who you run into in the world today, who you're out there with in your workplace, in Walmart. <laughs> Wherever you go, you run into people that have not yet been in touch with the Lord, have not been saved. It says, verse 1, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, 
and all evil speaking. These things we've laid aside or are laying aside in our lives. We're to lay aside or put off what is evil. Sin is to be put off or thrown aside. You know, it's kind of like I can take this off, okay, and I can say, No, no, it's not like that. It's just, you've got to throw it aside. You've got to cast it off. It's not something you want to continue to hold on to. It's got to be thrown aside, not something you hold on to. It's not who you are. It may have defined you at one point, but it's not who you are now. Get rid of it. Malice. Let's, let's look at a few of these things. Malice, unsettled, overgrown anger. Anger held on to until we're driven to sin. When I think about this, I think about unforgiveness and how we can hold on to something. Sorry. We can hold on to something for so long that we get bitter, we get angry, and, and there's no way until we come to the Lord and lay that down and say, Lord, I don't want this in my life. It's not something I can handle. The longer we hold on to, the, to those things, it eats us up. The anger enters in. It's been a door that's been opened. And that's where it comes. Deceit. Any form of dishonesty or trickery. Hypocrisy. And it says all hypocrisy. The word comprehends all sorts of hypocrisies. False appearance. A pretender. A contradiction of our stated beliefs. A play actor. Envies. A grieving at the good and welfare of another. You know, I think about that in years ago. I've, my wife and I have been in business for almost 30 years now. And I would see other people just advancing at, at fast rates. And our business was plodding along. <laughs> and they're just doing these things and traveling and doing all sorts of things that the world would do. And I'm like, what is that about? You know, I, I don't see those things happening. And you know, that's bordering on envy. You know, grieving at a good, <laughs> the good and welfare of another and not seeing what the Lord is working and doing in your life itself. A barefaced jealousy. Evil speaking. Speaking against another or defaming them, backbiting or gossiping. You know, pastor shared a little thing with us not long ago. And he said that each day a father would come home and he'd open the door and two of the children would run to him. And whoever got there first, he would lift up on his shoulders and hold them on his shoulder. And the other one, he would pat on the head. Well, you can imagine what would happen as those kids are running to that door. I mean, we're tripping. We're, you know, we're trying to get there before the other one. You can see the, the competition that it created. Well, one day, the, the smaller one, she made it before the other one. And she got up on the shoulder. And she's there. And the whole time, she's on her daddy's shoulder. She's looking at the other one going, <laughs> and mama caught her <laughs> and, and she had to explain to her you know, how can you love someone you can love, love your daddy like you are right now but be that towards your sister you know do we do those things you know do, do we do the evil things that we shouldn't be doing all these are violations of fundamental commandment to love your neighbor as yourself we need to be honest. We need to be sincere and pure in all our relationships, no matter what they are, whether it's a relationship that's just developing or whether you've had a relationship for years. You know, there are people 
that can say things to me or do things to me, and I can just kind of, it's okay. There are other people that I have not grown in that relationship enough with it. They do something, and it hurts. You know, it hurts. And I think you all feel the same way. There, there's just some that just do things, and you know, it, it's okay. But then there comes that time. We need to be pure in all our relationships. We all need to be cautioned and warned against the worst sins. You know, these things are things that we need to be aware of. The world is full of things that lure us away from God. We are sanctified in part, but are still liable to temptations around us. One sin not laid aside will hinder our spiritual profits and everlasting welfare. One sin will hinder us in that way. I found this quote recently. I have no idea where it came from, but I've heard that, you know, if you use something about seven times, is that, is that true? You use something about seven times, it becomes yours. That's free advice, but I wouldn't live by it. <laughs> but anyway, the quote is, it's not enough that we cease to do evil, but we must learn to do well. Doesn't that fit in our Christian lives today? It's not enough that we cease to do evil, but that we learn to do well in all that we do. Let's read verse 2. As we look at that, it describes what we should be seeking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. In this, Peter directs us towards wholesome food so we can grow. Newborn babes doesn't necessarily mean that they were new Christians. Some of them have been saved for four years or more. Young and old in faith, we should still thirst, just as infants cry for milk. How many of you ladies have had babies? Okay. You know when that baby wants milk, <laughs> there is no getting around it. You know, there is a desire, and that desire is fervent, and not only fervent, but it is frequent. They want fed. In the word, directs, Peter directs us to desire pure milk of the word. He says desire. And that doesn't mean just merely want something. We can desire it. We just merely want it. But that's not what he means in this word. What he means is that you long for it. It's something you can't live without. You long for it with all your being. The milk must be sincere, not adulterated by mixtures of man. You know, some start with that hunger. You know, you get saved and you start with that hunger. I've got to have the word. I've got to read. I've got to seek him more and more. Some start with that hunger and fall away. Others, they don't have a desire. They have, it's there, but yet, and, and I know this from personal experience because I didn't, I didn't seek God. My wife did. She knew there was something she needed, so she went to church and I sat home. Actually, I worked, but, <laughs> you know, through that time, I had to take a little bit of the time until it became part of me. I couldn't just jump in. That wasn't me. I wasn't jumping in full force. I had to take a little bit of the time until I grew into what God wanted me to, to be or who he started me to be in that manner. There's no time limit. It's according to your time. We can't expect to come to church on Sunday or Wednesday night, and expect to grow in Christ. It doesn't work, folks. That was me. Sunday morning, one time. I go, and they would say, let's, come back to the, let's go back to the evening service. And I'm like, it's the same thing. I'm not going to come back and hear the same thing again. And you know, now, 
It's the same thing, second service, and I'm sitting in second service, first service, second service, and third service, you know. But the thing is, you know, you've got to grow into that. You've got to learn. And it's not for everyone. But the thing is, it's what you want out of it. Now, the thing is, we can't grow on two meals a week. The baby would die. You get the baby milk two times a week, what's going to happen? It's going to fade away. There's going to be nothing. So we need to feed on the pure milk of the word of God. We need to open this. We need to be in this word. We need to study constantly that we can become Christ-like in our walk. As I read this scripture a few weeks ago that we're studying now, I heard in my spirit, man, pure spiritual milk. Pure spiritual milk is how we grow. We grow spiritually because of being fed constantly through God's word. Remember, it's not a word that God put his approval on. It's a word that God breathed. It's a word God inspired. You know, hearing pastor, reading the word, spending time with God, listening to his heart, that's how we grow each and every day, listening to God. You know, many times, as, as Deb and I had, we've been intercessors for, I guess, since 1997, we started in intercessory prayer. And many times we would just lay before the Lord and not bring our petitions before him. Not that that's not part of it, but we would just lay before the Lord and say, Lord, what's on your heart? What would you have me pray about today? What is it that you want accomplished through me? Each and every Christian seeks growth, improvement in wisdom, and grace. They're the desires of our hearts. The word of God doesn't leave a person as it finds him. We're changed into the image of Christ. We're never left the way we are when we read God's word. We're never left the way we are when we hear pastor preach a message. You know, we're going to change through that. You know, there's many, many times, and I think about, I was taught early on in a, in a business that we were in, that there were different personalities. And as you study those personalities, many people think that, okay, that's me. I'm, I'm that person. I'm a caloric, okay? I'm, I gotta be number one, my way or the highway. Or there's a, another one. There's, there's four different ones where it's phlegmatic that has to be the life of the party and has to be out front and all that stuff. And the thing is, I see people say, I'm locked into that. That's who I am. No, that's to show you who you are right now. Was Christ locked into one of those positions? No, he was all of them. He encompassed all of them. And that's what we're to be. We're to be Christ-like. We're not supposed to be, you know, where we've been locked into now. We've got to change with him. Let's look at verse 3. And we're going to look at who will be seen as. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Peter speaks here out of experience. He expresses that those good Christians, or these good Christians, had tasted the goodness of God. They had received from the Lord, and they were beginning to become like Christ. He has no doubt and affirms who they are. If we look at Psalms 34.8, it says, We have tasted and seen the Lord is good. And Titus 3.4 says, His sacrifice for us was an act of unspeakable kindness and goodness. God is very gracious to us as people. In him is fullness of grace. We may start with an experimental taste. 
but we can't pace at a distance. We have to get near. We have to get close. We have to be where God can touch us. You ever heard or seen or smelt something that you just long to taste? You know, sometimes you'll, I've even walked out of a restaurant before and smelled something in another restaurant, and you know, oh, and I'm like, what? That just smells so good. You know, it draws you, you know. Like walking into a chicken barbecue and seeing the chicken on the grill and hearing the fire crackling and all the aroma, you just, you just want to taste. But maybe you don't like chicken. You know, put your own thing in there. Put a steak in there. Put something. But, you know, understand that it has to be so good. You have to experience the taste. What we've already tasted of his kindness, so much kindness, so much goodness, just because he, he has come into our hearts. It should whet our appetite so much, people, that we never want to leave. We never want to walk away because of who he, who he is and what he's done in our lives. Get deep in God's word. Let it take hold of you, and you'll experience him in new heights. You know, we talk about the heights and the depths of who Christ is in our lives. And you've got to understand that he touches all of that, not only up and down, but east to west. East to west. Experience him and be united with him by faith. Matthew Henry's commentary says, the best of God's servants have in this life but a taste of the grace of God. They have just tasted the grace of God. We haven't experienced all that God has for us in anything that we do, any place we are. The more you taste, the more you'll become like Christ. What is taste? Taste is spending time, getting to know him, and not just knowing about him. So many people will read the word and they'll know about Christ, but they don't know Christ personally. We've got, to, we've got to strive for that, to know him for who he is. Learning the sweet taste of nearness to him should make us dread the thought of ever wandering away. I'm always finding things. I, I found this note in the Bible recently titled, Who's Your Daddy? And uh, I'd like to share it with you. <laughs> who do you look like? In the natural, we have fathers, stepfathers, godfathers. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Who's your daddy? In the spirit, we have God the father of the heavens and earth. And then there's Satan, the father of lies. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And since he's our father, and we have, or are supposed to have, God's spirit living in us, People will know who we are. You have to spend time with the Father to continue to build your relationship with him. And whoever you spend time with the most is who you'll look like the most. Isn't that so true? You notice who you spend time around, you become like. People will see him in you. That's how people in the world judge God anyway, don't they? Through his children. What they see his children doing, that's how they judge God. I want you to know something, though. Each one of you, you're all obedient children. You say, well, I don't feel too obedient sometimes. The thing is, you were obedient to the call of God. You came. You received salvation. So you are obedient children, no matter how you look at it. We all are. And there are times, you know, we don't feel so obedient. We don't feel what I've done, what I'm supposed to do today. But we are 
his obedient children. You know, God loves us so much that he ministers to us all the time if we just open our ears, if we just listen, if we'll hear. We'll open our hearts to receive what he has for us. So many times we're so busy, we're so hurried in our lives that we don't take time to listen. We don't take time to hear. But I know you take that time to get alone. Spend that time in quietness. And God will speak to you. We used to do a little exercise and say, God, you know, it's called, called a secret place where God meets with you alone. And you kind of just close your eyes and you think, okay, Lord, I need to know where you, where you want to meet with me at. What is that secret place? You know, some people are by the ocean. That's their favorite place. Some people have a little room where God meets alone with them. And you know, when you get in that place, it's a place where he can minister to you. And he can bring healing. He can bring wholeness to your life in every area. We choose today where we're at. We choose today to receive him fully in our life or say, Lord, that's all I want right now. I just want to bless you all. I just want to pray over you that God's peace and comfort will come upon you So if you'll bow with me, please. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, Lord. We thank you, Father, that each and every day, Father, you guide and you direct. Lord, may our ears hear you. Lord, may we walk with you with our heart. And Father, may you bring peace, as Pastor prayed earlier, peace beyond understanding to each and every individual, Father. Lord, may we walk in truth and we may, we, we, oh, Lord, may we understand, understand the love that you have for us, Father. Lord, that we are wrapped in your arms as you draw us close. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just wrap your arms around each individual in this room, Father. And Lord, that you would minister as only you can minister. That you would touch the area of each and every heart. And, Father, that you would be fully recognized as Lord of their lives. Father, we thank you. We praise you. If there's something we can pray with you today about, personally, we'd be happy to do that. Jeff and I will be happy to pray with Pastor and Cindy, I'm sure, here to minister to you. So I thank you. I hope that if you receive anything in the Word today, that you remember that you know, the Word is inspired by God. And the truth of that word is that we need to be all we can be in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you.